Let's turn to God's Word this morning together from Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read from verse 25 down to verse 34. Matthew 6, from verse 25 down to verse 34. We're thinking this morning about godly priorities. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what, will you, what you will put on. It is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life span? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen. I ask you this question as we begin. Is Christ an added extra in your life or is he the main thing? Is Christ an added extra in your life or is he the main thing? If you're in Christ this morning, Jesus must be the cornerstone that you build your life on. And that was going to be the children's talk I did this morning. I'll save that for another day where we had a tower of Lego. And if you put the big block at the top, it will fall over. And that's often how we do our lives. We try and add the big thing last. We try and add Jesus into what we have left. But actually, the call from First Peter is that Jesus is the cornerstone. He's to be what we build our lives upon. If you're in Christ, Jesus isn't just your Savior, but He's your Lord as well. And we are called to bend the knee before Him. For many, though, Jesus is like the cherry on the cake. He's the thing that we add in last. We do what we want to. We go where we want to go. We live how we want to live. We go about our own days doing whatever what pleases ourselves. Then on Sunday, some people, when they live like that, they pop along to church and they put that nice wee cherry on their nice wee cake. Friends, Jesus isn't meant to be just an added on extra in your life. If you're in Christ, he is meant to be your everything. The cornerstone you build your life upon. The verses we've read just preceding them, Jesus goes on and he speaks about teaching on, on the importance of where we lay up our treasures. Do, he says, don't lay up your treasures on earth where moth and rot can get them, but make sure you're storing your treasures in heaven. And the call there is, don't live your lives trying to make sure you have an extra hundred pounds in the bank or those extra lovely holidays because, you know, times come, interest rates go up, that hundred pound is only worth 20 quid. You know, all these things happen. Moth gets them, ruin gets them, rot gets them. But actually live your lives honoring the call that Jesus places on us and live for eternity. Where actually we have this 
wonderful inheritance, this hope of glory that we thought about from First Peter a few months ago, that is undefiled, that nothing can get to, nothing will ruin it. That's, you know, being a Christian is meant to filter into your Monday to Saturday, not just to half past 10 to half 11 on a Sunday morning. It's meant to filter into every area of our life. God's word is meant to guide us. It's meant to shape us in every decision that we make. God's word should be speaking into it, into our marriage, into our singleness, into our dating, how we parent, what kind of friend we are, what kind of child we are, how we act at work, what we watch, what we sing at the football, all these things. The gospel of Jesus is meant to speak into them and shape them. And as we think about it this morning as well, that includes even our finances. Every area of our life, the gospel of Jesus speaks into. And how we live, friends, what we do outside of this place, in every other hour that we have, should all be marked by the fruit of our salvation. If we're in Jesus Christ this morning, the world should see it from how we live. Be different. Be holy, for he is holy. That is a calling that God places on his bride. Jesus says in uh, a few verses prior to where we read this morning in, in uh, Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, your heart is also. Do you know how profound that statement is? Where your treasure is, your heart is also. What you place value on in this life, you will devote your life to. I wonder what you value most in your life. Because if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, the answer should be Jesus. Jesus should shape our priorities. A good way to see what we value most in this life. Maybe you're like, well, I'm not sure what I value most. A good way to see what you value most in your life is to see what you spend your time on and what you spend your money on. What you spend your time on and what you spend your finances on, I think will give you a very clear indication about what you value most in this life. Because where your time flows and where your money goes you will quickly begin to value that thing most. That's why you're spending your time on it. That's why you're spending finances on it. In verses 19 through to 24, Jesus has been speaking about the Christian's relationship with money. You know, that's one of the things that, that Jesus spoke most about in his parables was finances, which is, I find really fascinating. And in verse 25, he says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor what, about your body, what you will put on. Why is he saying that? Well, he's just said prior to that, you can't serve God and money. It's one or the other. You can't serve God and money. And friends, when the gospel starts to speak into areas that maybe we're a wee bit precious about and maybe we get a wee bit uncomfortable about and oh I hate that word money being spoken about in church I just want to hear the nice stuff that Jesus says well Jesus speaks to finances 
He speaks about how our relationship with money is. He says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, if that was me, I would begin to give every excuse possible. Well, what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And Jesus knows what we're like. He knows where our heart's going. He goes, don't be anxious. I know what you're about to say. I know the reasons you'll give about why actually you need to hold back that couple of extra thousand pounds in the bank and all these different things. But don't be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Life is more important than money and eating and clothing. Don't make life about materials and materialistic things. And it's out of this call to surrender to God and not to be anxious about our needs that Jesus goes on to say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things you're worried about, clothing and eating and all these things that are worried about when we start to speak about, you know, don't be concerned about materialistic things. All these things will be added unto you. Seek first my kingdom. And what's fascinating is that this call to seek first the kingdom flows after, because the beginning of, of, of Matthew 6, or near the beginning, we have the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We say it every Sunday morning. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Do we realize what we're saying in that prayer? That is a reshaping of our priorities. What we're saying is there, God, your will. Not mine, not what I think's best, not what I want to do, but your will. What we're saying when we say that prayer is, it means we're submitting to God and his rule and his reign. We're bending the knee before King Jesus. Saying, God, I know where my heart often goes and I know what I want to do and I know what I think's best. But actually, God, those things, they're, they're my will. They're the things that, that we empire that I want to build. But actually, God, it's about your kingdom. It's about your will. Your will be done in this place. It's a submitting to God's ways and an abandoning of our own. And friends, that is a very dangerous prayer to pray when it's said in faith. Because it literally changes our lives. When we say in faith, God, your will, your kingdom, what we're saying is, I'm leaving my own ways. I'm leaving the ways of the world. I'm leaving what I think is best. And God, I'm submitting to the call you're placing on my life. It reshapes who we are as people. So again, I ask you this morning, are you a Christian? What would you say to that question? Are you a follower of Jesus? Because the answer to that question will honestly determine your response to the sermon that we're about to go through together. For it is by our fruits that we are known. We've thought about this over the last number of weeks and months and years. It's by our fruits we are known. We're not saved by being a member of the Church of Scotland. We're saved by being found covered in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, as the boys and girls so beautifully showed us this morning. Being a Christian should impact your life in a real, tangible, and practical way. 
It's why when we stand and profess faith, and that's the reason we're, we're looking at this, that this morning, because, uh, praise the Lord, I think there's at least two people who are going to join the church and profess faith publicly next Sunday. But as we do that, as we stand and profess faith publicly, and, and, and as we become a member, because that's what becoming a it's not like becoming a member of the, go, the, uh, the golf club or the, the bowling club or the tennis club. What we're doing when we become a member of, of the body of the bride of Christ is we're saying, I, I love Jesus. I, I'm united to him. I believe in him. I want to be part of his family. I want to be part of, of what he's doing. I belong to him and I want to live my life for him. And friends, if your faith isn't producing fruit, if your faith isn't producing works, then the Bible tells us that you don't have a living faith. Because those, John 15 tells us, who abide in Christ, they bear fruit. James tells us, faith without works is dead. So make sure, friends, that we're abiding in Jesus and Him alone. And as we do that, I pray that God would shape our priorities. That he would make us a people who go, I'm going to seek first his kingdom. His will, his kingdom, his ways. Not mine, not what I think is best, not the desires that I want, but God's ways. Because friends, they're the best ways. And only in them is true joy found, is life found. Is satisfaction found. And godly priorities look like seeing us as individuals seeking first his kingdom. If you're wondering, am I seeking first God's kingdom this morning? Well, look at your priorities in your life. They will indicate whether you're seeking first his kingdom or not. But friends, I want to say this. It is costly to seek first God's kingdom. It costs us to walk in the ways of righteousness. But when we know Jesus, it doesn't feel like a cost. It is joyful. Because ultimately we do it knowing that we have been saved. We do it out of the overflow of our love, over the, the, the overflow of the thanksgiving from our hearts for all that Jesus has given us. And we know that nothing we have to lay down or give up will ever come close to what heaven gave for us. Jesus has just said in Matthew 6, stop living for the world and the materialistic things and going after finance and, and money, but devote yourself to God. Let him be the one you live your life for. Make sure your, your, your treasures are, are stored in heaven and not here in this world. And he goes on to say, you can't serve God and money. And friends, hear this this morning. Jesus says you can't, you can't serve God and money. It's one or the other. You either worship God with your money, or you will quickly worship money as your God. You either worship God with your money, or you will quickly worship money as your God. It's one or the other, Jesus says. And then we have this, what I would call the crescendo of what Jesus is saying in verse 33 of Matthew 6. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you.
Many of us are probably singing the children's chorus that in our head right now, the one that we grew up as boys and girls or in Sunday school or, or, or in, in, in school assemblies. But friends, what a principle for the church to live by. Seek first the kingdom of God. Not the empire of Sandy Hills Parish Church, but the kingdom of God. And this declaration that we've just read in verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God, it speaks right against the motive of the first sin that we see humanity commit. It speaks right against the motive of, of what the devil said in the garden to Adam and Eve, where they eat the fruit and you will be like God. And what happened there is idolatry. You will be like God. God will no longer be number one in your life. Actually, you will be like him. You will rival him. And friends, that is what idolatry is, is where we lift things up that have no rightful place to be number one in our life. And we say, actually, these things are just as important as God. How in the world can we say that? But we do. We do it. It's happened from the whole of human history. And this speaks right against the first sin committed. Don't seek self-preservation. Don't seek self-satisfaction. Um, um, Don't seek the exalting of me, myself, and I. But seek first the kingdom of God. Friends, don't even seek the, the continual of Sandy Hills Parish Church. Because if we do that, we begin to take our eyes off Jesus and we look to maintain our wee empire here. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And friends, when we do that, we live lives that are sold out for Jesus. And all these things that we worry about and we're concerned about, if it's in God's will, if it's part of his kingdom, if it's part of his plan, he'll add it unto us. And this exalting of I the putting of I above God has been the struggle of mankind that we've always wrestled with since Adam and Eve ate that fruit in the garden. The world says, live life for you. Make sure you are happy. What does Jesus say? Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow after me. Friends, it is costly to seek first his kingdom. Friends, we're either seeking first his kingdom or we're living with our backs turned against it. So how do we know if we're seeking first God's kingdom? I think we see it if our priorities are God-honoring and godly. Are your priorities godly this morning? Would your priorities stand united with that declaration, seek first? the kingdom of God, or do your priorities live against it? So I want us very quickly this morning to look at the promise that many of us, and this is in, in, a, in preparation for next Sunday, where we see people join the church, God willing. I want us to look at the promise many of us here have made when we stood and as we became members in this place. With the promise to live for God by the giving of our time, our talents, and our money. And whether you're a member here or not, if you're a follower of Jesus, it is good to look at these three areas of your life. 
Because I think if you look at those three areas of your life, you will see whether your priorities are godly or not. You will see if you are living lives seeking first his kingdom. If we're truly seeking first God's kingdom, part of that will see us managing our time, our talents, and our money in God-honoring ways with godly priorities. But the question we begin with, friends, is this. Is God worthy? Is he worthy? Is he worthy of your time? Is he worthy of your talents? Is he worthy of your money? Because, friends, see when we start to give of our time and of our talents and of our money, it begins to filter out more than an hour on a Sunday morning. And that is part of the vows that we take when we become members here in Sandy Hills. But let me say this, we cannot offset one against the other. I've, I've heard people indicate that, well, um, I don't have to serve in the church because, you know, I, I give a good amount in my, in my envelopes or I give a good amount in my direct debits or however it is given. I've heard, not here, but I've heard in previous churches, people indicate that they don't have to, they don't have to serve, they don't have to put the chairs out, they don't have to wash the toilets, you know, they don't have to become involved in the nitty gritty stuff of the church because they put their offerings in the basket. Or I've also heard it the reverse way that actually I don't have to give financially because I, I help around the church and it's part of it's part of my giving is of my time but actually it's all three you can't offset one against the other god wants your time he wants your talents and he wants finance as well he wants part of your worship to be what you give financially and i know we said it a number of months ago or over a year ago when we we talked about the day of giving friends i know how uncomfortable it makes us feel in the church when we start to speak about finance and we see part of the, the huge problem in, in, in the Western, uh, Western world. We see this um, horrible, horrible theology that is, that is growing, which is about prosperity gospel. And that, that, is, that is not the gospel of Jesus. That is not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's part of the fruit, it's part of the overflow of our love is that, that God should be speaking into how we, what we do with our time, what we do with our talents, and what we do with our money. So let's quickly look at time. Do you give God more than one hour a week? Or is this all he gets in your weekly time schedule? How do we seek his kingdom? By prayer, by reading our Bibles, by spending time in his presence, getting to know him. Friends, we can find time for holidays. We can find time for football. I can find time for watching every game that's on the telly uh, during a week. Very easily I find time to do that. But often I'm really hard-pressed to find that extra wee 10, 15 minutes in the morning to, to read my Bible. If that's the case, where's my priorities? Where's my priorities at with, with that? And I know I'm not alone. We can find time for the TV and watching Netflix and the rig and all these things, and Amazon Prime and the new movies. And we can find time for all those wonderful things that, that, are, that aren't bad in and of themselves. But friends, if, if they become number one in our life, and if we're saying, actually, I don't have time for the God stuff anymore. I don't have time for the church stuff. I don't have time to read my Bible, friends. You need to look at where your priorities are. Because God should be number one in your life. Read in Hebrews. Let us consider how we spur one another on toward love and good deeds, 
not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Even in the early church, even the writer of Hebrews was saying, guys, get to church. Don't neglect gathering with God's people. I think one of the things we've seen since COVID is that some of us maybe have fallen into bad habits. Our habits have changed. We'll give one Sunday a month to the church. Well, actually, friends, don't neglect gathering in God's house with God's people. Find time to spend with the Lord. Honor him with your time and make him a priority. Talents. God has made each one of us as individuals. He's given us gifts and, 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 and talents. And actually, they're to be used to, to glorify his name. And granted, maybe the Church of Scotland it, it culturally has not always been the easiest place for people to get involved because we've built a ministry model uh, where it's been uh, historically one man and he preaches and then he goes and visits his flock and that, that's how we do ministry in the church. But actually what we see in the New Testament is that we're, we're a body of believers. It's meant to be all of God's people serving the Lord in a place together. So we're trying to create spaces where we can use the gifts that God has given us in this place. We're looking to create a pastoral care team where those that are pastorally gifted can, can serve the body of Christ here and serve the Lord through it. We have a hospitality team. We have three house groups that meet in a week and none are led by me. We're looking to allow and equip God's people to use the gifts that he has given. Generosity, encouragement, practical stuff, prayer, healing, prophecy evangelism, teaching, the gift of faith. How do we become a congregation here in Sandy Hills that enables God's people to serve God with the gifts that God has given them? And I, my prayer is that as we grow as a church, as we deepen as a congregation, that there'll be more, more natural fits for people to, to use the gifts that God has given them for the glory of God in this place. But as a believer, you should be ready and willing to serve. Not just in what you deem appropriate, but having a servant heart like your Savior. And then thirdly, finally, and probably most uncomfortably, money. God commands us, friends, to give financially as part of our worship. He calls for his people to give generously to his work and the advancement of his kingdom as part of the overflow of our worship. Worship is not just the songs we sing. It's why we've introduced in, in, our, in our second prayer where we thank the Lord for what has been given because it is part of our worship. A good and, and biblical principle to live by is, is tithing and the giving of the first fruits. What does that mean? Well, let's look at first fruits first. Giving of the first fruit is giving God our best, not the leftover change we have in our pocket, but prioritizing him. If I, can have, if I can find money to pay for every football subscription that's going, but yet are, are scrimping and, and trying to find some change to put in the offering basket on a Sunday morning, my priorities are wrong. God deserves the best. He deserves the first fruits. But he also calls us to be people in the New Testament who give generously and cheerfully. Cheerful givers, not out of obligation, but out of the overflow of love. Proverbs commands us, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. And I said tithing. Tithing, we see in the Old Testament, is a principle that, that many Christians live by, which is a giving of, of 10% of what the Lord blesses us with. And we give to his work and we give to him as part of our worship. 
And if you're a Christian this morning, you should be worshiping the Lord, not just by the songs you sing, but also by how you use your money. But friends, it's not about the amount. We see that with Jesus where he sees the widow put in her mite. She puts in roughly about a penny and actually she gives more because her giving was sacrificial. And when we see the rich people come and they put in vast amount of money, but they're giving what they can afford. Worship is meant to be costly. But often the pushback against uh, giving financially as part of our worship is, well, friends, uh, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, Norm, but actually I, I can't afford it. We're, we're saving for this and we're saving for that. And we, we have this pressing us. We've got these going on. And friends, I think that's why Jesus, just after he says you can't serve God and money, he goes on and says in verse 25, do not be anxious about anything in your life. I can find time to watch the football. I can find time to watch the rig and Amazon Prime and all these things. But sometimes I struggle to find time through my Bible. My priorities are not seeking first God's kingdom. It's the same when it comes to my finance. If I can find time to pay for every football subscription that's going and all these different things. But I'm struggling to give as part of my worship financially to the Lord we need a reshaping of our priorities. And God says, and here's the beautiful thing that we finally finish with. The Lord will provide our every need. I don't want to sit, used to sit there this morning thinking that you're, you're getting a telling off or, or you're feeling uncomfortable or anything. That's, that's, that's not my heart. My heart is though that we as a congregation, that we love the Lord. And loving the Lord looks like following and living out his word. Seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then trusting that in faith that all these other things will be added unto you. And he clothes the field of the lilies. Look at the lilies. They're beautiful. And he clothes them. He, but he cares for us. Friends, he gave us his son. And see when it comes to the giving of our time and talents and our money. I pray that we always look at these three areas of our life and as we try and strive for godly priorities in them, that we look at it through the lens of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because actually, friends, we will never even have a drop in the ocean in comparison to what heaven gave for us. So Sandy Hills, let us seek first God's kingdom and prioritize him with how we manage our time, our talents, and our money. So if this is your spiritual home, this is where the Lord has called you to be. Serve him with your time, your talents, and your money. Worship him with your time, your talents, and your money. We close with this, we thought from Jude 1. Friends, the gospel is a personal thing. And actually, if you are saved... You now belong to Jesus. Jude 1 says that you are now a bond servant of Jesus. You belong to him. It's not just that he is ours. It's we who are his. And the one that we belong to, the one we worship, the one we serve, friends. He is the lion of Judah. 
the lamb who was slain. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it edifies, it teaches, Lord, that it touches our hearts, Lord, where you in your grace and your mercy try and make us to be more um, like the people you've called us to be. So, Father, I pray that you would shape us and help us to be a people who seek first your kingdom. And, Lord, that we would see that through how we prioritize our time and our talents and our money. And, Lord, whatever you have spoken this morning, Lord, whatever you have touched on people's hearts, Father, I pray that you would seal it. Lord, and if anything wasn't off you and it was me ranting or raving, Lord, would it be forgotten and fall away? But Lord, would you find a people in this place who generously love you, who sacrificially worship you through everything that we are for the advancement of your kingdom and for the glory of your name. For we ask these things in your precious name. Amen.